Welcome to Friendly Words, the sermon podcast of Pratt Friends Church in Pratt, Kansas. The message you're about to hear was originally preached at Pratt Friends Church on Sunday, January 29th, 2023. It focuses on the conflict between our flesh and the Holy Spirit. The message to all who will listen is, we as believers must give ourselves fully to the Spirit so we can overcome the passions of our sinful nature. Now, here is Pastor Mike Neifert. All right, well, I made an almost too late discovery this week. We've been going through this series of mine on the book of Galatians that I wrote way back in 1988, just to kind of go through a quick overview of the book of Galatians. And I discovered this week that that sermon series was only nine sermons long, not ten. Because when I looked at sermon number ten that was in the same folder and I thought was part of this, it was a second sermon that was completely separated from this series about the same passage as sermon number seven. Oh, man, I was freaked out. And then I calmed down. Believe it or not, I can calm down once in a while. Anyway, so I discovered that sermon seven and sermon ten were on the same passage. And so I decided that I would combine sermons 7 and 10 with additional 2023. I added stuff in and kind of pulled everything together, and hopefully we'll have something that actually makes sense. We shall see whether I succeeded that. I think that the message that, that this passage has for us is an important one, and obviously God knew what was coming and wanted us to really focus in on this passage from Galatians chapter 5. We're going to get there eventually. We'll have a couple of passages before that, but just want to encourage you to listen with your heart and hear what God has to say to you because we have an important message. It's important enough that we talked about it in Sunday school this morning. Pretty much if you were in Sunday school, you're getting the same message. Not the same passage, but the same message as we got in Sunday school, which is another encouragement to all of you who don't come to Sunday school, please come. We would love for you to join in that conversation and be a part of what God's doing. Scott's doing such a great job of teaching, and we have interesting conversations, and it helps it to sink into your heart when you have an opportunity to interact. So I encourage you to come and be a part of Sunday school. But before we get to next week when Sunday school happens again, let's pray and then we're going to go to God's word and hear what he has to say to us. God, your word is your revelation of yourself to us. It's your written word that helps to helps that get that gives the spirit something to speak into our hearts. So God, do that today. I pray that your spirit would accomplish everything that you desire as I preach. In Jesus' name, amen. Way back in 1988, I was watching TV on my 12, maybe 16-inch TV. We didn't have a very big one at that time. And this ad for prunes came on. Here's how I described it way back then. The ad showed several kinds of fruit. An apple, a banana, an orange, all growing on the same tree. And then the camera panned to 
what I imagined was a dry, wrinkly prune. Anybody ever eaten one of these? Okay. Well, it pans to this prune growing on the same tree, which prunes are dried. They're not really growing on a tree. But anyway, there was this, this shriveled up prune in the commercial, and the other fruit looked so good to me, that apple and the orange and the banana, but then they had to show this prune. And it turned off the hungry alarm for me. I looked at that prune and it was just not appetizing. I know that the, the effect that they were looking for was for me to be drooling and wanting a prune. Well, it didn't work that way. And, and this is what I said back then. I don't think anyone will ever get me to try a prune. That was my opinion in 1988. The Bible talks about fruit that we bear in our lives on multiple occasions. In several places, it suggests that people can recognize God in our lives or God not in our lives by the fruit of our actions, the fruit of our words, the things that people can see. And so we're going to look at that today. And I'll just give you one example from Matthew chapter 7. We're going to look at Matthew 7, 15 through 20, this is Jesus speaking. I often go back to the Sermon on the Mount because this was Jesus describing what the kingdom of God is like, how those who are citizens of, of the kingdom are going to live, and he gave also warnings about those who would not live according to kingdom values in this. And this is one of those passages where we talk about the fruit of false teachers, and we're going to see that as we go how those who claim to be followers are sometimes imposters. So let's take a look at Matthew chapter 7 and hear our master Jesus' words. All right, here we go. 15, watch out for false prophets. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. If you are a believer in Jesus, he's talking to you. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. False teachers are known by their fruit. While Jesus doesn't go into detail about what bad fruit looks like, I think his hearers then, and perhaps we now, have an idea of what false teaching or what false teachers act like, what their message is, how they come across. False teachers contradict God's written word. They emphasize selfish gain. They seek praise and loads of cash from those who listen to them. The words they hear from God... Never condemn sin except that which their enemies participate in. Those people are bad. So what is the fruit that you see in the lives and in the words of those that you hear? Maybe you listen to podcasts or you listen to the radio or you listen to people on TV. Be careful what you take into your mind. Don't take things in passively. Always listen to what's being said and check it against God's word. And the good news is, and we'll get to this in a bit, the good news is that God's with you, and he will help you 
to hear his voice saying, no, that's not it. All right, one more example before we get to our passage in Galatians 5. If you'll flip over to John chapter 15, we're going to hear from Jesus again. We could read from the first verse of the chapter, but for time's sake, we're going to focus on verses 5 through 8. Verses 5 through 8. Have you found John 15? Let's take a look at what Jesus says to us in verses 5 through 8. He says, I am the vine. He's talking to his disciples. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. When we bear fruit in our lives, it's because we belong to Jesus. It's because we are grafted into that vine. Do you grow grapes without a vine? They don't just spontaneously pop up, do they? You get grapes on a branch of a grapevine. It has to be connected. As soon as it's disconnected, raisins. Right? If there's any grapes at all. It's because we've submitted ourselves to God as disciples that we bear fruit. We cannot, in fact, bear fruit at all if we are not in Christ. And how do we find ourselves in Christ? By believing on Jesus, by putting our faith in him and trusting him to give the salvation that God has provided for us through Jesus' death on the cross. And through his resurrection, we have life in him. It's by trusting him and allowing the spirit of God to rule in our lives. It's not just praying a prayer and going about our business and doing whatever we jolly well please. It's about praying that prayer and submitting our hearts and our minds to God so that he can rule our lives. We take self off the throne. Because if self's on the throne, we're not following Jesus. We're following ourselves. And we generally get ourselves into a lot of trouble. If you produce good fruit, people will know that you follow Christ, that you belong to God's family, that you're a citizen of heaven. If I, and I'm picking on myself here, if I produce bad fruit, it will be obvious that I'm not serving the Father, at least in that moment, but I'm serving myself. What did Jesus say in verse 20, in Matthew 7, 20? By their fruit, you'll recognize them. Followers of Jesus produce good fruit. You can recognize a believer by the way that they live and speak, and act, the Spirit shines in their life, and we're going to see that plainly as we eventually get to chapter 5 of Galatians. I promise we're only a paragraph or so away. So before we turn our eyes on that passage, let me remind you of this. When you produce both good and bad fruit in your life, your friends and your family and your neighbors, they get confused. They get turned off to Jesus sometimes, and sometimes it's turned off to Jesus for a very long time, sometimes forever. One ugly prune can ruin the appetites of others for Jesus. 
The good news is that God can bring those people back to him, can change their eyes, so be careful and guard against hypocrisy. All right. As you turn to Galatians 5, if you haven't already, let me tell you that there are two kinds of fruit that we're going to be talking about today. Good fruit and bad. They're on full display in this passage. The fruit of the sinful nature and the fruit of the Spirit are both here. All that we've learned in Galatians so far from beginning to end has been leading us to this application-rich passage. So trusting the Spirit will open up truth to us. Let's read what Paul has to say. This is the message we find in Galatians 5, 16 to 26. So let's read. Paul says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, this is verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So last week we heard Paul call the Galatians to live in the freedom that God produces for his children. He urged them to escape slavery from the law, slavery to rituals and ceremonies and circumcision. You remember there was that group that was coming in and telling them, in order to follow Christ, you have to be circumcised in addition. So there were Jewish people who were doing that. And then there were Greeks who were saying, you've got to worship all these gods, try to please all of them. So we talked last week about how God freed us from slavery to either one of those things. Paul preached freedom in Christ, but warned them not to use their freedom to indulge their sinful nature or to indulge their flesh. The verses we just read, especially the first few, tell us why this warning was necessary. It's because the desires of the flesh and the desires of the spirit are contrary to one another. They're in conflict. They don't jibe. They can't coexist in peace. The Holy Spirit wants to make us alive in Christ, but we keep on living the old dead ways of sin. Listen to what Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. In the first four verses of chapter 2 in Ephesians, he makes it plain the condition of each and every person before they've believed on Jesus. It is not the, well, we're all basically good message that our culture proclaims. It is not a message that the we don't want to offend anyone church will proclaim. Hear the Holy Spirit's words given through Paul. Ephesians 2, 1 to 4. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. 
All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Dead is the condition of every person before they put their faith in Jesus. Those who gratify and follow the cravings and desires of their flesh, of their sinful nature, doing whatever they want, are dead in sin and deserving of wrath. That's what it said, right? Our wants are ruled by our sinful nature rather than by the Holy Spirit if we're outside of Christ. But in Christ, we want to make sure that we are ruled by the spirit rather than by the flesh as well. If we are to escape the trap of evil, we have to pray for protection. So we pray and we ask for protection from temptation and rescue from evil. We have to ask the Holy Spirit to control our lives and lead us away from those dead deeds of the flesh or we'll go into them every single time. Paul would urge us, as he did every church to whom he wrote, to be filled with the Holy Spirit and lead productive, God-honoring lives to do good works out of love for Christ, to tell others about what Christ has done for us. Have you told somebody what God's done in your life? Make sure you get that out. Speak what he's done. When those who have been saved from sin choose to use their freedom that they have in Christ to indulge in sinful behavior, the name of Christ is drugged through the mud. I've already said this, but I'm going to say it again. Hypocrisy hampers God's plan to save the world through faith in Jesus. Those who see you and me sinning without remorse will see no need to repent of their own wickedness. So turn away from your sin, brothers. Repent, sisters. God will forgive and others will see your good deeds, that is, your repentance and your admission of sin, will see those good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Don't be the reason that your neighbor rejects Jesus. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. That's what Galatians 5.18 tells us. Does that mean that you can break the law as you please? I think we've already covered this, but I'm going to say it again. No. By no means. The Holy Spirit will not lead you into sin. If you think that you should go do sin, that's not God talking to you. Ever. He does not tempt us. If you sin, you do so because you have left the path that God was leading you down. No sin can or will be committed within the will of God. It is simply not possible for someone to be led by the Spirit and to sin. If you are being led by the Spirit, you will be kept from sinning by the Spirit of God within you. When you sin, that's on you. That's you choosing the flesh instead of the Spirit. Verse 19. Paul says, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Let's be honest. We're kind of funny about sin. We think we can sin secretly. We believe we are able to keep our bad behaviors hidden, no one seeing, no one knowing, and we forget about God. And most of the time, others can see. Maybe they don't know exactly what we're doing, or they don't know exactly what you're doing, but they can sense that there's just something off. 
They note strange behaviors in your life, behaviors which suggest concealment or deception or secrecy, dishonesty. They might not see the ugly, wrinkled prune, but they can smell it. Let's review Paul's list of the acts which God inspired him to attribute to the sinful nature within. The acts of the sinful nature which are obvious. Listen to them. Are there any hints of these in you? Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. These are among the things those who are following hard after their flesh give themselves to. I say among the things because you saw at the end, and the like, it means that this is a representative list, not a complete one. There are many other ways just as obvious as these to indulge your sinful nature, to indulge your flesh. Those who indulge in any of these, in in any and all sinful behaviors, are not following the Spirit. I've said it once, I'll say it again. If you are following the Spirit, you will not sin. Is there some area in your life where you are out of step with the Spirit? Are you sexually immoral in even a small way? playing along the edges of those things which God prohibits. When you pull out your phone each morning, are you going first to your horoscope? That's divination, witchcraft. Is your heart full of jealousy toward a neighbor? Do you sometimes experience fits of rage? When you talk among your friends from the church, do you sow seeds of discord? I don't sense that from anybody. But do you? Are you getting drunk regularly? This is an interesting list, isn't it? Those who are going to inherit the kingdom of God do not act in these ways on a consistent basis. Those who are children of God may fall for a temptation from time to time when they're weak or tired or whatever, they may sin in a moment of weakness, but they will hate their actions. They will repent of them and seek God's Holy Spirit's help and perhaps also the help of Christ following friends to avoid repeating the dead acts of the flesh. If you are over and over and over acting in ways which are obviously from the sinful nature, from your flesh, come to celebrate recovery. I'm serious. You keep trying to do it on your own and you're failing. Some of you are, right? That was the way I was. I needed help. I need lots of help. Find help among loving brothers and sisters who will be there to support you as you seek to follow God. Whatever it is that's going on in your life, whether you're hurting from something somebody did to you ages ago, whether you're holding a grudge, whether you're dealing with pornography or, or you're having the after effects. Maybe you had an abortion at some point and you're, you're grieving that. Whatever it is, come find freedom from sin. 
Listen, if you are sinning regularly and repeatedly, it is not too late for you, thank God. You can, with God's help and the help of others, escape from the trap of the devil who has taken you captive to do his will. God is patient, not wanting you to perish in your sin, and he is ready and willing to forgive you. Come to him. Hear his word. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Whew, I am so glad. All unrighteousness, gone, because we put our faith in Jesus. This is the good news. If we reject our sin and believe on Jesus, we are forgiven, we are purified from sin, we are given Christ's righteousness as a gift through faith, and we receive it. And then the Holy Spirit moves in and begins his work of changing us from always sinning sinners to less often sinning believers, to those who are sinning less and less because we're submitting more and more and more and more to the Spirit of God. Gone are the nasty, and I'm reverting to 1988 opinion, Gone are the nasty prunes of our sinful nature. The delectable apples and oranges and bananas of the Spirit, they're here. Let's read that list of the fruit of the Spirit again. Verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, that's another word for patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I love this statement, against such things there is no law. Who's going to pass a law against patience? We need that, don't we? How do you like them apples? (laughs) A lot tastier than the deeds that we talked about earlier, aren't they? This fruit of the Spirit set us as believers apart from those who have no faith in Christ. Not that some outside the kingdom community couldn't exhibit some of these things from time to time. They can. We know patient people who don't love Jesus. We know kind people who do great things. We know generous people and people who generally show self-control and don't punch us in the nose. I like people like that. The difference is this. Listen. When the Spirit lives within someone, you, me, believing friends down the street, they or we display these characteristics in the strangest situations. When they look really out of place. A believer filled with the Spirit is loving toward the unlovable. Is faithful when hurt is kind when rejected, is self-controlled when frightened. These are the evidences of the new life that's within those whose faith is in Jesus. They show resurrection power shouting, He's alive! Roald Amundsen. Great Norwegian explorer. You maybe remember learning about him in elementary school or middle school sometime. He was the discoverer of the magnetic North Pole, and he visited the South Pole, first person to be to the South Polar region. On one of his trips, he took a homing pigeon with him. 
When he reached the top of the world, Amundsen opened the bird's cage and set it free. He imagined the delight of Amundsen's wife back in Norway when she looked up from the doorway of her home and saw that pigeon circling in the sky above. He's alive. My husband is alive. In the same way, the way we live shows God to the world. If we live in sin, hating, devouring, fighting, violating, what's inside us, controlling us, is our flesh. And people don't see Jesus when we're living that way. If we live by the Spirit who's in us, the evidence will be a growing love for others, a spirit of joyfulness, a restful peace. All the things that Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit are evidences of God's presence in our lives, his specific manifest presence in us. He is the one who's producing them in us. When we cooperate with him, when we submit to his leadership, it shows in goodness and kindness and faithfulness and self-control and all the rest of those things. How do we live a pure and blameless life? It's by the Spirit of God, not our spirit, but by the Spirit of God. Have I made myself clear on this? If I said it enough times, seven times in seven different ways, you got it, right? It is only by the Spirit that we can ever grow in grace and in holiness. The final words of this chapter encourage us to put to death. Crucify is the word that's in there in verse 24. To put to death our sinful nature, our flesh. He says... This is what those who belong to Christ will do. They have crucified the flesh. Look back on Jesus as he's on trial with Pilate. Pilate says, I'm going to let him go. But the people start yelling, crucify, crucify, crucify. That's what we need to be shouting about our flesh. This is our cry when it comes to our flesh. Crucify. Do you hate your sinful nature? And the acts that it leads you to when you yield to it. Sin does not lead to life. It leads to death. You know Romans 6.23, don't you? It begins, for the wages of sin is death. <laughs> what we get from our sinful nature, from our flesh, is death. That's why we put this nature to death. Why we crucify it so that we can have life. We cannot have life unless we crucify our sinful nature. Jesus has dealt with our flesh. He has triumphed over death and the flesh on, on the cross. And because he arose victorious, the gift revealed in Romans 6.23, the second half, is that we have the gift of God, which is eternal life in Christ. And that life, the eternal one which we have in Christ, is from the Spirit. In him we have life. In him we can live for Christ. Are you living your life in step with the Spirit? Are you every day seeking to keep in step with him? I was in marching band. Anybody else in marching band when you were a kid? When we were marching along, and I'm going to go off camera, sorry, Greg. If you look to the side and you notice you're out of step, you remember how to get back into step? You look at all the people around you and you go, oops, I'm on left foot and they're on right. You just do a little skip step. But that's what we need to be doing. Looking to see what the Spirit's doing. And maybe we need to do a little skip step when we find we're out of step with him.
Say, oh, get me back in step. Confess our sin to God. Confess our faults to those we may have harmed. Because honestly, people are okay with hypocrisy if we admit it. We say we did the wrong thing. We messed up. I want more than anything, don't you, to be in step with God. So when I get out of step, right? Looking to the Spirit of God, I get back in step. And I do that by going to God's Word daily because His Word is a line that says this is the way, like a plumb line. This is straight. And when I'm off a little bit, I can tell by measuring myself against that, by allowing God to measure me against that and revealing where I've strayed. Do you want to live for God or do you want to live for yourself? That's the question. As we close, let me read two sentences from the words that we've been focusing on this morning from Galatians chapter 5. Verse 16 is first. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's the truth. If you walk by the Spirit, you will not sin. When you're walking with the Spirit, maybe that's a better way to say it. When you're walking with the Spirit, you will not sin. And then verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. You do this, you keep in step with the Spirit by crucifying your sinful nature and giving yourself to the Spirit. You do this by choosing God's desires over every ungodly passion. Remember? What the spirit desires and what the flesh desires, they're in conflict with one another. What do you need to do with today's passage? With God's word, not mine. Is there any obvious act of the sinful nature with which you are struggling? You just can't seem to overcome it. Pray, ask God for help, seek the help of others, come to celebrate recovery. Is there part to the fruit of the Spirit which has been lacking lately? Same instructions. Pray, ask God to help you seek the help of others who are following him. Let me give you just a few moments now to consider what God is saying to you, to hear his voice and to let him have his way with you. If you've been out of step with the Spirit, get back in step. And you do that by submitting your will to his. You do that by coming to him and saying, God, I am a sinner in need of your help. I'm going to follow my flesh if I, if I have anything to do with it. So help me, God. Change my heart. Help me to stay in step with the Spirit. You talk to God about those things, okay? We're going to give you just a few moments in silence to do that.
So sometimes when I'm working on a message, I get caught up in one particular verse and I don't have time to do a whole message on it. But for some reason this week, verse 24 just kind of stuck in my brain for a while. I got kind of stuck on that while I was trying to prepare my message and it says, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Yeah, I just found myself wanting to sing that and so I interrupted my sermon prep and did song prep and I went to a few other passages, a couple in Colossians, I believe, and found some other words that fit with this, but just wanted to share this with you and give you an opportunity to be reminded that we want to crucify our flesh. It's always a little tricky when I just wrote a song. Sometimes I mess up my own songs. So we'll see whether that that happens or not today. But uh, I want to encourage you to listen and be reminded that if you belong to Christ... You're called to crucify that flesh and follow after God instead. Since we belong to Christ, we have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. We have put to death the sinful earthly things And we've learned to walk in God's ways We have set our hearts above where Christ sits now At the right hand of our God We have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. We have been rescued from the dark and deadly things, been redeemed by the grace of our God. We have set our minds on high and holy things, on the things which lead to life we will walk by the spirit we will step where he steps we will heed every whisper of our lord we will live by his leadings we will go where he goes even unto the ends of the earth since we belong to christ we have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires God help us 
Help us to crucify our flesh and to live by the Spirit, walking in step with you this week. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have been encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. If you want to hear each week's message, be sure to subscribe to Friendly Words in your podcast app. May God bless you as you follow Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit.